Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so delighted to be with you this morning. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Bethany. I'm the worship director here. And today we are celebrating Youth Sunday. And so we get the opportunity to celebrate, especially our high school graduating seniors. We are so excited to celebrate all that the Lord has done and is continuing to do in their lives, and in their stories. It is a deeply held value here at Springbrook to invest in the next generation of believers. And so you see Michelle and Pre and Matt doing such an awesome job of that here, and Kyle, the way that they are pouring into our students and our children. Um, So we're excited to celebrate with you today. If you're worshiping with us online, a special welcome to you. I want to remind you, as always, we have online hosts who are available for you all throughout the service. So if you have questions, if you have prayer requests, please feel free, participate in that chat. We want you to feel connected to what the Lord is doing in this community here today. Well, I would love now to invite you to stand as you are able in body or in spirit for our call to worship. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. 
worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opens the prison door. He parted the raging sea. Our God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. And we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. I will be reading Psalms 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of this earth. Your 
you have set your glory above the heavens. Out the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look in your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowded him with the glory and honor. You have given him domain over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven and fish of the sea, whatever passes the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thank you. what you say though the storms may come and the winds may blow I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word it will come to pass great is your faithfulness to me your faithfulness to me. God from age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow out in vain, stay and let my heart learn when you speak a word it will come to Never let me down He'll never 
Thank you that you are always good in every season and circumstance. Thank you for your goodness that relentlessly pursues us. Lord, thank you for giving us this place to freely come together to worship and to hear your word. Father, you know our hearts and what we are facing. Will you meet each one of us here now and make us aware of your presence with us and your love for us? Holy Spirit, we need you. Will you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you have for us in your word this morning? In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Springbrook. Uh, my name is Kyle, and I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. <laughs> it is Student Sunday this morning, as I, I hope you're aware. And so we're excited to, to see our students out here this morning. Um, if you're watching with us online, feel free to hit the online connection card or type in the chat and say hi. Um, We'd love to know that you're here. For those of you that are with us in person, on your seats, you have a little connection card. Feel free to fill those out, and then you can drop them in in the back on your way out. Well, it is summertime, which means that VBS is coming up. And so this Wednesday is the last day to sign up. That's our cutoff. And we only have eight more spots available. So if you have a, a, a child or a student, maybe in your neighborhood or in your home that would love to do VBS, go ahead and over to springbrook.org slash VBS to sign up. Another due date this Wednesday, um, we have our starting point workshop starting up this Wednesday. And so that's every Wednesday for the next two weeks starting at 7 p.m. If you're new to Springbrook, maybe you want to learn what we're all about, learn what our mission, our vision, our values are, how to get plugged in and engage in the church and learn um, how to be a part of this community. That's a great place to start um, and then move forward from. And then next, um, we have our board game night. So once a month on the last Saturday of every month, we have our board game night from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Saturday. So that's this Saturday on May 28th. Come find me. It's a lot of fun. Um, we hang out, play board games, eat food, 
Um, it's a great time to really just have fun outside of, you know, Sunday mornings in this service. Um, so at this time, I'm going to ask our seniors to come up on stage. And while our seniors come on out, um, we're going to talk about these little yellow slips that you have on your seats. These are for our mission trip barbecue fundraiser. So I believe the last day to sign, turn those in, it doesn't say in here. Matt, what's the last day to turn these in? Turn them in soon. Matt says soon. <laughs> so this is the um, pork. It goes to the fundraiser for our, our mission trip. This year we're going to Minneapolis with Lead 222 as we have in the past. So um, this helps fund our trip, vans. Um, pay for supplies and all the other things that we're going to need for that trip. So I think we have all our seniors now. So at this time, we're going to have our seniors introduce themselves. They're going to say who they are and where they're going or what they're doing next now that they've graduated. And we're going to start with, I don't know, you have to introduce yourself. I'm, I'm not holding the mic for you. Oh, Uh, hi, my name is Ben. I'm going to go to University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and I'm going to be majoring in computer engineering. Hi, I'm Connor, and I'm undecided. All right. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm uh, Nick Manzella. I'm going to McHenry County College, and I'm planning to go into business and finance. Hi, I'm Kara Howe. I'm going to Judson University. I'm um, majoring in interior design. Hi, I'm Lilia Kay. I'm actually graduating a year early to pursue a career in professional ballet, and I will be attending McHenry County College um, to get a degree in kinesthesiology and fitness. All right. These are our graduating seniors. So let's go ahead and pray over them now this morning. Lord, we, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, as we just sang a few minutes ago. Um, I know that I've seen the work that you've done in these students. I've seen change over them, at the very least in this last year and even before that. And so, God, we thank you for your goodness and, and what you've done in these students. But I know that all of these students are students that have poured back into your church. And so, Lord, we thank you for the way that you've uh, used these students in your church over the last few years as they've been serving um, God, I, I don't think these students are the future of the church. I think they are your church today. And so, Lord, the call that you have for your church and the promises that you make to your church, I think apply to these students just as much as they do to any of the rest of us. And so, God, I ask that you would continue to remind us of those promises, that your faithfulness to them, your goodness to them, the way that uh, you continue to pursue them, even, even as we maybe stray, the, Lord, the way that you lead us into obedience and faithfulness to what you've called us to, Lord. I know that's true for this church, and I know that's true for these students because they are part of your church. And so, God, whether they're staying in this area and being a part of this community here at Springbrook, or whether they're going elsewhere and traveling, Lord, we ask that you would continue to raise that community up around these students. I ask that you would continue to remind these students of those promises that you've made to them the way that you pursue them, the way that you love them, the way that you care for them, 
And Lord, I ask that you would raise up those communities to remember that as well, that they would be surrounded by people that would encourage them and challenge them and love them and and help them to lead um, and, and live lives that look more and more like yours. And so, God, we thank you again for what you're doing, and we're so excited to celebrate these seniors that you've given to us for these last four years. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, go sit down. <laughs> well, hello, everyone. Um, I am excited for this morning. I'm also sad. Um, I don't like Senior Sunday because it means we're coming to an end. But it's a good end, and it's a necessary end. And I think for our seniors, it is an end that could not have come soon enough. <laughs> um, and um, I've, I've been reflecting, um, seniors, um, and so everyone knows, if you see the part one, the second service this morning is called part two, because I'm only going to preach half of a sermon right now. Um, it's what we do once a year, and I think it's fun, and then I forget to tell people, and then they're surprised by it, but um, this first half of the sermon, we're going to be in the book of Jonah shortly, but the first half of the sermon, seniors, this is for you, everyone else, critically think and apply it to your lives, because it does apply to your lives as well. But seniors, I'm going to be talking to you. And the first thing that I want to tell you all is that you are weird. And, and hear me out. I've, don't be offended, Kara. Okay, okay. I was trying to think back over all of the things we do in our youth ministry over the course of four years of high school, And then I remembered that over the last three years of your high school, COVID. And I was like, huh, that's really weird to think about. We haven't done a retreat in two years. We've done some trips, but we have just, it doesn't feel normal. Um, We have two graduating juniors, and I was like, why would you graduate early? And then I was thinking about after three years of Zoom school and contact tracing and everything else, I was like, why would you stay? Um, but, But seniors, you have had a crazy journey. Someday you're going to tell your kids about the year where you just quit going to school in March, and they didn't make you restart it. Someday you're going to look, and you're going to look back on this and say, that was like a thing that we went through, where we wore masks, and then we went to lunch all in the same room, and we took them off to eat, and we put them all back. Like, you're, this is going to be a part of your story, that someday when you are really old, You're going to tell your grandkids about it, and they're going to think you're going crazy. They are just going to have no idea. Hopefully, I say all this, and now it's like, well, maybe it'll just be the... But but seniors, you have had such a unique four years. And in the midst of that, the thing that I am most sad about is that we never did Bible story time with Matt through the book of Jonah. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So I'm going to open in prayer, and then we're going to jump into Jonah, and we're going to read one of my favorite books of the Bible, and hopefully have a lot of fun, and hopefully learn something while we're at it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Um, Father, we thank you for the students, the ones here and the ones not here. I know some students are with family celebrating that are in town from all over. Um, And Father, I thank you that we can celebrate the accomplishment of all of these students that are graduating. Um, I I thank you that we can rejoice with them, we can celebrate with them, we can send them off well. 
Um, I know many of them are sticking around here, and so I pray that this church, as Kyle said, they are, they are the church now just as we are, and we, we pray that that would not be lost on them next year and in the next months, but that they would stay connected here, that we'd be able to keep seeing them grow. Um, Father, I pray right now for everyone here. I, I'm, I'm talking to these seniors that I can see and the juniors who are graduating, who I keep, I'm just going to call you seniors, but um, I, I, I praise you that they are here, and I, I pray that, that we can celebrate. Um, I, I pray that you, can, you would speak through me. These would be your words and not mine. I pray that your spirit would give us all ears to hear the message from Jonah, that we would be encouraged and challenged and we would take heart in your promises, and we would know that you are gracious and merciful. We would trust that you are abounding in steadfast love, that you are slow to anger, that you relent from disaster. And we, we just pray that we would take that message to heart. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, seniors, you've probably heard the story of Jonah before. I don't know if you've heard me tell it. Some of you maybe have, and you're like, Matt, this is a rerun, but we're going to go deeper today. And I have to start by telling you that when you hear the story of Jonah, most people hear this story. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And they read this, and they know that what's about to happen is Jonah gets scared, and he goes the other direction, and he's afraid, and he's fearful, and, and, and he doesn't want to go to Nineveh, because the Ninevites... Nineveh. The, the Ninevites are part of the Assyrian Empire. They were a violent people group that in that day the Israelites were terrified of because the Israelites thought the Assyrians are going to come wipe us out unless God intervenes. But the Israelites did not care enough about God at this time to actually cry out to God. Um, and so they would just say, well, God won't let us fall because we're his people. And so when God tells, the Lord tells Jonah to go, the classic story is, Jonah was afraid, and so he ran the other direction. And it's just totally wrong. It's the most wrong thing in the world, and we're going to get there. It's going to take us a while. But the first thing you need to know is we need to know a little bit about what the book of Jonah is really about. And to do that, we need to focus on a word, great. Whenever we see the word great in Jonah, it's going to tell us something. And so when God says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Now, um, if we had a map in front of us, like I do have, um, this is where we start. This is where Jonah is. And God tells Jonah that um, he needs to go here, and you'll notice there's a way to do this in a straight line. And whoever made this map, um, uh, like, like the geography is good, but whoever made this map assumes that this is the route Jonah took. And I just want you all to know, I don't understand how they get that anywhere because the Bible narrative does not tell us a thing about how far they got. Jonah could have got in the water and immediately the, the, the stuff we're about to read could have happened. But the, the point is, is that Jonah starts here, and he's supposed to go here, and the place that he decides he's going to go is, like, here. Like, like it's not even on the map at all. It's actually the farthest possible place for an Israelite to even imagine going in that day. 
And so he is not just running, he's running as far away as possible. It is exaggerated to the extreme that he is going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty, well, when they say mighty, they mean great tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. And now seniors, here's, here's where we need to talk. This word great in Jonah is like our big key clue word about what the book of Jonah is about. Um, I know you just finished school and you never want to see a bar graph again, um, but, but this is a bar graph of the word great in the Bible and all of its uses in all of the Old Testament based on the Hebrew word that it's like gadol, but it's not quite gadol. I'm going to pronounce it wrong, so I'm not going to pronounce it again. But um, Jonah is right here, and you see how that's kind of high, right? So Jonah is a page and a half, or, or not page and a half, a two page. This is Jonah. This is the rest of the Old Testament, And Jonah shows up in a significant way on the graph. Jonah accounts for less than 0.2% of the Old Testament, and yet its use of great shows up on a graph of uses of great in the Old Testament. It's like on par with Genesis, the number of times it uses great. And you're wondering, why does this matter? Well, it matters because Jonah is a book of exaggerated comedy. It is supposed to be a book that makes you laugh. When you read that Jonah went to Tarshish, You're supposed to chuckle. You're not supposed to go, wow, what a terrible guy. You're supposed to go, huh. And then when he doesn't get there, you're supposed to laugh more. When you see these storms, the great wind and the great tempest, you're supposed to read this in an exaggerated way where you're kind of laughing because the book of Jonah is supposed to make you laugh. Then the mariners, the guys on the ship, they were afraid And each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Now, we need to pause here, because when it says the mariners were afraid, if they are going to Tarshish, these are seasoned veterans. They they were going to the edge of the known world. This is before they knew that the earth could be round. And so they were going to the edge of the world, and as they are going to the edge of the world, there is a storm that is so great that they throw out all of their cargo— But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laden down and was fast asleep. This is ridiculous. The ship, I I get, uh, my my father-in-law and my my entire in-laws, they all love boats. If I had known how much of boat people they were before we got married, I still would have married Jess. Um, But but boats. Um, I get very motion sick. But Jonah is sleeping. Like you you think about if you've ever heard someone say, how could you sleep at night for what you did? Jonah is running from the Lord to the farthest reaches of the map and he has no qualms. He's just asleep on the boat. Just, yeah, whatever, whatever. And then the captain comes to him, the captain of the ship and says, what do you mean you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps The God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. He's saying, everything we're doing is not working. You, O sleeper, wake up, call out to your God. And then all of the, Jonah does not call out to his God. And all of the mariners and the captain, they say, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. And so they cast lots, which is like the, like, I don't know what they did if they were on a, they probably had like straws, 
because there's so many straws in the ocean, and they made sure one was shorter than the others, and they, they all grabbed a straw, and Jonah had the short straw, and they looked at him, and they said, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. <laughs> I fear the Lord that I'm running away from. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So he tells him, yeah, the God that I'm running away from, that I'm fleeing his presence, that I fear, he's in control right now. And they all say, they were exceedingly, and, and note, exceedingly, I bet in Hebrew, that's greatly, it is greatly, afraid and said to him, what is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And so they're all panicking and they're all afraid and they're all wondering, why are you not crying out to your God? And they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And here would be a great place for Jonah to say, you know what, guys, I'm going to pray and cry out to God and repent. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Now, we could read this as a moment of humility, but that would be a terrible way to read this. Because what Jonah says here, what Jonah says here is, I don't really want to cry out to God. Will you guys just toss me in? When I was a kid, I always remember um, thinking, and I'm pretty sure there's an animated story. I don't know which story, but there's an, it's not vegetable related, I don't think, where Jonah falls in because the waves are so big. No, he didn't fall in. It wasn't an accident. Jonah is just like, well, throw me in the water. They're like, you could cry out to your God, Jonah. No, throw me in the water. It's a better option. And note, it's a great tempest. Don't miss that. Nevertheless, the men, they hear this guy who says, I, I serve the Hebrew God and the God who's over the land and the sea and I'm running from his presence and, I, and, and they, they do everything they can to not listen to Jonah. They row as hard as they can to get back to dry land, but they could not for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. And so finally, they, the people who are not Jewish people, the people who do not worship the Lord, they call out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. They call out to the Lord. And so they picked Jonah, and they picked up Jonah, and they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men no, not, not Jonah, but the other men, they actually feared the Lord exceedingly. Exceedingly? Greatly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows. So Jonah refuses, but these people who encounter Jonah and encounter the Lord, they wind up vowing to that Lord and offering sacrifices to that Lord. And so we see good come out of this story. And now we get to a complicated moment. Verse 117 in Jonah, he gets thrown into the water by the sailors. The, sailor, the waves stop, and then we see that the Lord appointed a great 
fish, and we'll, we'll get to great in a minute, to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I have been corrected in the past because I will sometimes say whale. And some people think that since it says fish, you can't say whale. And they could be right, but there were not Hebrew marine biologists. This could have been a great narwhal because the Hebrew word for narwhal did not exist until the 1500s. Um, but some type of large marine animal, probably a fish of some sort, swallows Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish, the belly of the fish, three days and three nights. And then chapter two begins. And, and if you have an ESV Bible, there's a heading here. A great fish swallows Jonah. And then there's a heading here, Jonah's prayer. And what happens when you read the Bible this way is you read chapter 1 in your devotional one day, and then you turn to chapter 2, and it starts, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. And the problem here is that in, in the, original, the original authors did not put headings in like this. This is something that translators recently started doing in order to help us navigate as we're in the book. There also weren't verses. And I want to show you what happens when you get rid of these, now it reads a little different. Do, do, do you see? And the Lord appointed a great fish. And, and we're just going to go right here. And the Lord appointed a great, great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then... After three days and three nights, then, after three days and three nights, then, after three days and three nights, then, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. If we miss this, we miss how hilarious this prayer is. This prayer gets, gets written up in devotional booklets and in different things. Is Look at how God forgives Jonah. Look at Jonah's heart before the Lord. But what they're missing is then comes after three days and three nights where Jonah is sitting in that fish thinking, all right, let me die. Let me die. Lord, fine, fine. If I'm stuck here, I will call out to you. And then we read his prayer in light of three days and three nights. Then I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me... What? Did, did God cast Jonah? Hmm, that doesn't seem right. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. So this is wrong, right? I mean, this is just wrong. And if we're reading this story the right way, the author is not trying to get us to think this is what really happened. What we are reading here is Jonah's version of events. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple after three days and three nights. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the root of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Now when it says I remembered the Lord, this is our clue 
of how silly this is. What he's remembering here is God has said, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and God has said, you're going to deliver this message. And what God has said he will do, he's going to do. And so what Jonah's saying here is, I finally realized there's no way around this. I finally realized I'm stuck. I finally realized that I'm going to sit in the digestive area of some large animal that I don't even know how to identify. But my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Things that Jonah does not say. I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. I repent. I did wrong. I'm sorry. Anything along that. What he says is with a voice of thanksgiving. You know when you, um, Lucy is getting to, hi Lucy. Um, Lucy is getting to the age right now where um, she will physically do something that then we have to say, Lucy, you need to apologize to your brother for. Um, and Lucy will go, sorry, and then just immediately go. That's, that's kind of what we're reading here. And I want to tell you the proof of this, because you may wonder, you may wonder, how do I know this? And how I know how ridiculous this moment is, is very simple. After this all happens, the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry ground. And I want you to hear this. I wholeheartedly believe that the reason we see this vomited is because we're in a comedy, and that speech of Jonah is so ridiculous and so false that, that the imagery we're supposed to see here is the fish couldn't take it anymore. And God said, fine, you can release him. And the f- That's, I, I think that that is the imagery here. And we want to think the imagery here is Jonah finally repented. And Jonah, who was afraid, finally says, all right, I'm no longer afraid, Lord. I will follow you well. But we're going to see in the second half of this sermon that all that we've read so far about Jonah doesn't even scratch the surface of how terrible he is. Isn't that fun? Like, we got, like, come back for part two. But um, we get to this point. And Jonah is back on dry land. We don't know where on dry land he is, but we know that the Lord is about to tell him, hey, it's time to go to Nineveh again. And so coming to the end, seniors, I have three pieces of advice for all of you. Three things to take from Jonah part one. The first thing before I give them, um, just don't be like Jonah. There's nothing admirable about Jonah in the entire book. Nothing at all admirable about Jonah, okay? So don't come away saying, I'm going to be like Jonah. Um, Don't relate to him. If you're relating to him, you're doing a bad job, okay? I just want you to hear that. If you ever feel like I'm doing a good job being like Jonah, you're doing a bad job at everything, okay? So don't be like Jonah. The first real piece of advice that comes out in Jonah is that what God has said he will do. It's such a simple thing in this story that we can miss it But the starting point of this story in the very first verse, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. When the word of the Lord came to someone in the Old Testament, 
It was a commitment that the Lord was going to speak through that person. And so the Lord tells Jonah, you're going to be my instrument here. It's a very clear message. It is a promise that God is making with Jonah. It's a, you're going to go do this. And Jonah does not, I mean, he does believe, we're going to talk about that, and I don't want to spoil too much, but Jonah knows exactly what he's being committed to when he gets on that boat and goes the opposite direction, to the farthest reaches of the known world at that time. But what we need to see is that underneath this comical thing is a story of how God is faithful to what God says he's going to do. And so for you guys, as you go off to college, I just need you to hear, if you know who God is, if you know the promises that God has for us as believers, no matter what situation you're in, no matter how much you struggle with something God might have for you, no matter how much you might struggle in the world, no matter how you might go off the deep end for what, some people go off to college and go off the deep end, don't go off the deep end. Don't go off the deep end. Don't get hurled off a boat into the deep end either. Don't be like Jonah. But, but no matter where you find yourself, the promises that God has made, he will do. And so take heart in that. Learn more and more about, oh man, hold on. There is one way to be like Jonah. There is one way to be like Jonah. See, now this is confusing. We're going all over the place. But in chapter three, um, Jonah, or chapter four, Jonah says one thing that you should be like Jonah in. And it's sick when you see the whole story, but it's so important to understand because you see, Jonah knows very well who God is. And here's what Jonah says at one point. Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I knew it, uh, when I was yet in my country? That it is, uh, that is why I've made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah knows God well. And I would encourage all of you, do not lose sight of who God is. Do not lose sight of who God is. Do not lose sight of his promises for you. Do not lose sight of who you are in light of who he is. My next piece of advice. God offers salvation to all who call on his name, even when they are the worst. When Jonah is in that whale and he finally acknowledges God on the terms that God had for him from the beginning, God's response is very clear. All right, let's keep moving. More important than Jonah in this story, though, those mariners have no idea who Jonah is. They have no idea who the Lord, the God of the Hebrews is until they hear about him. But once they hear about him, what do they do? They cry out to him. They call to him. And God responds. In them we see a hint at what God desires. God desires that when people call out to him, he is a God who is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love. And he is relenting from disaster. That is who God is. That is how he desires to operate if we would only call out to him. When I was in college and when I was not in college and at various times through my life, and I bet everyone here at various times in their life who knows the Lord, you have highs where you feel really good. You have lows where you feel really bad. You have times where you feel really, really, really good about your faith. And then you have times where you're like, I don't even know how God would respond if I tried praying to him right now. 
because I know I'm not living up to what he's called me to. And in Jonah, the one thing we see that I think is really clear is that when you call out to him, he remembers you. So wherever you guys go and whatever you do, as far off as you may fall, as good as you may do, like you're, God will hear you. And this word for salvation, um, I want to tell you in the book of Jonah, it's funny, the word for salvation, um, we, we can think of that word in our modern reading as a, a thing about our future eternal salvation that we get to go to heaven. Um, but God desires that we would experience his grace and mercy now and always, and that we would lean into him more now and always. We'd, we get to experience it much better on the other side of glory. But, but I say this because in your hard moments that you may see as very significant or very insignificant in the eyes of God, God wants to extend to you his abounding, steadfast love. And so in whatever situation you are in, that salvation is there. That deliverance is there. He desires that you would just call out to him. And, and remember, what he says he'll do, he'll do. So when he offers this, and when you call out to him, what he said, I'll, I'll hear. And so those go together. You see how they build on each other in a logical... You guys don't want to talk about logic. You just finished school. Um, but, but logically, boom, boom, boom. Last one. And this is the one that I think is the funniest part of Jonah. When Jonah runs away, he tries to go to the farthest reaches of the known world. But do you know what the farthest reaches of the known world really was in that day? The deeps of the water. Jonah tries to find himself in the farthest physical on-land location, and God puts him in the depths of the water. The people of that day saw the depths as the place, they call it Sheol, it's this, this place, or the Tahome, it's this place that is beyond human understanding, beyond the human's ability to get to. And where does Jonah find himself in the story? Farther away even than where he had intended to go. And yet while he's down there, albeit for three days and three nights, when he finally does cry out to God, God hears him. And he acts like I was so far away, but God is never far. Um, there is a thing that I hear all the time where people say, I feel like God is far away. And one of the attributes of God is that he is everywhere. And so no matter how far away you might feel from God, it's, it's not a reflection on him or where he is. And so I, I hope that you will hear that. I hope as you guys go out, I hope that you will take all this to heart. You will lean into this. And when you find yourself not leaning into this, you'll remember this. And then when you feel like maybe I didn't get to this point and now you're here, I hope you'll recognize that God's desire is that you would experience his grace and his mercy. You'd, ha you'd understand and know and live in his abounding, steadfast love. As you go, do not lose sight of that. That's the promise, the good promise, in the first half of the book of Jonah. And so, seniors, I'm excited to see where you go. I'm excited to see what you do. Connor, I'm excited for you to become decided. <laughs> I really am. I am. I'm excited to just see. I, we, we have no idea where you guys will be in five years. When I was 18, I went to film school thinking I was going to go to Hollywood and make movies. <sighs> um, yeah, 
We have no idea. But what I do know is when I look back on my life and the story of my life, I can see how God was at work. And when I was at the moments where I was down here, God was at work. When I was at the moments wrestling here, God was at work because this is always true. And so take that to heart wherever you head. Let's pray. God, you are so good. Lord, you are faithful to your promises. You are gracious and you are merciful. You are slow to anger and you are abounding in your steadfast love. I pray for our seniors as they go from here, as they move into whatever is next. I pray that for all of our graduates, that they would just rest in your promises, that they would recognize who you are. They would stand before you. They would call out to you. When they don't feel they can, I pray that they would remember who you are, that at all those times where they feel far, they would recognize that you on your throne of grace and mercy will hear their prayer. I pray they will not harden their hearts and become like Jonah, but I pray that they will lean into your grace and mercy and your great love. I pray that in the moments where they feel disaster coming and they feel far from you and they feel anxiety and they feel so many things that hurt in their life, that they would recognize that in the midst of the things that are self-imposed and the things they can't control, you are gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love. I pray they would take that to heart, that they would recognize your consistency, your perfection, that you never change. And I pray that they would call out to you now in the good times and the celebration and when things are going well and when things are going hard. I pray that same message to all of us, that that we would recognize your grace and mercy, that we would not lose sight of it, that for those feeling far from you, they would recognize that you are there for those who feel that they are unworthy of your grace and mercy and abounding steadfast love, I pray that they would recognize that it is for all who call on your name. And I pray that we would be a people who rest in that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Stand as we worship this last song.
so much for worshiping with us this morning. Now go now in faith to love and serve the Lord. Have a blessed week in him.